Welcome to the Fraud Fighter Podcast. This podcast has at least 20 episodes so far. I thought I'd like to take an opportunity to just share with you just a few things that I have learned over the last approximately six months regarding podcasting, particularly regarding the fraud and forensic accounting industry. First of all, thank you very much for listening. It's humbling to know that there's people out there that want to hear the questions that I ask these these great guests. And the podcast really is about you. I received emails, and thank you so much for every single one of them. Every suggestion is, is appreciated. Comments are appreciated. I've been in contact with various forensic accountants and fraud examiners, and I'm just amazed at what's available out there to them. It's been a great journey for the last six months, just hosting this podcast in general. It's also fun to bring content to you. I learn from it. You learn from it. Uh, It's wonderful getting the comments back saying, hey, I learned something new today, and I think I get more out of this than probably most of the guests do. But just thank you so much for listening. Just a few things. If you do enjoy this podcast, be sure to leave a review on your favorite platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. It helps others find the podcast as well because the directories recommend podcasts based upon the downloads and reviews. So if you had a chance to leave a review, it's very, very well appreciated, your comments. And it also helps other people know about this podcast and it helps directories make recommendations if people are interested in the same subject as as you are and I am. Just a little bit of background regarding the podcast. It's growing. Some stats for you. Approximately 75% of the downloads is from the United States. After that's Canada and Great Britain. 75 different countries have downloaded in the last six months or 20 episodes, including Countries I would never thought of be actually listeners. Fiji is one of them. Iraq is another one. It's kind of interesting. But also, not only is it 75 different countries, it's also 700 different cities around the world. So thank you very much. It's it's a growing podcast, and I do appreciate you guys listening. It's just a, it's a, unbelievable that from a small corner of the universe that there are approximately 75 countries that are actually listening or have downloaded the episodes in 700 countries. Regarding the devices, when you do a podcast, you can figure out a little bit of some details about who is listening or what devices they're listening to. Apple phones. Apple phones is the top device that are being used to download the episodes, as well as Apple Podcasts is the top directory. So if you're using an Apple Podcast, you are in the majority when it comes to listening to this podcast. And for those, for people who are interested in the type of equipment that's being used, I use a Zoom H6, which is something that I record, and then it's also a Samson 2QU, which is the microphone. Uh, I also use a free software called Audacity, A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y, Audacity, to edit it. And headphones are just generic headphones. Audio-Technica is actually the headphones that I use, but just for those who are interested in doing podcasts, that's the type of equipment that I use. It's not that bad, actually. I actually had one question from a from a guy wanting to know how the setup was made, so it's, it's not that complicated. Regarding the six things that I've learned, 
in the last 20 episodes. Uh, number one is there's a common theme among all, approximately all 20 episodes, is communication is vital. The ability to write is huge in this business. So if you're not a very good writer, you're going to have to increase those skills. Originally, when I was in high school, I made C's. I was lucky to make B's if I was a in high school regarding writing. And when I went to college, our college president said, minor in something that you stink at. So I was like, well, I stink at English. So I'm glad I did minor in it. And uh, it forced me to become a better writer. So as a forensic accountant, we do nothing but write. We analyze documents, we interview people, and we write reports. But the ability to write is huge. It's vital. And the ability to articulate your position. If you're saying something, you better have the proof behind it and be able to articulate your position about why you're saying what you're, what you're saying. What's the evidence prove? And also the ability to interview people. I think in a lot of ways in the, in the industry, forensic accountants and fraud examiners do not have enough skill level to interview people. Interviewing people is key. Now, how do you get how do you get more experience? You got to practice, or you got to be in a profession that actually interviews a lot of people, like law enforcement. Law enforcement interviews a lot of people, but interviewing people to be able, be able to talk to them, get information out of them, is vital. So, regarding communication, the ability to write, the ability to articulate your position, and the ability to interview people is just very important. Secondly, there's a lot of opportunities that I've learned from doing this podcast, uh, especially out there for self-employed forensic accountants or fraud examiners. One is, uh, and these people are that, that I have interviewed in the podcast, bankruptcy court, they always have a need for forensic accountants. Divorce court, there's a lot of individuals out there hiding their income from the other spouses. And in addition, you got to figure out what's the best way to dissolve these assets, and particularly sometimes even evaluate these assets if it's a, if it's a business. And white collar defense, anything with dealing with white collar is greed related, because it's greed related. Therefore, there is a money trail that needs to be traced, and that money trail needs to be examined, as well as figure out who did what, when, and where. Is there criminal intent involved? So that's also a big industry. And in addition, fiduciary litigation, power of attorney abuse. The elderly mother may be in a nursing home and someone gets a power of attorney, let's say the granddaughter, something like that. And all of a sudden, the grandmother's assets are being wiped out because of someone abusing their authority uh, using the power of attorney or the trustee. Trustee is in charge of the trust, of course, and is supposed to disperse assets or income to the beneficiaries, and maybe there's some criminal activity per se, maybe, or even some questionable activity based upon what the, attorney, the trustee is doing with the money. You know, the beneficiaries getting their due is also important. So those two things, excuse me. So on the second thing, bankruptcy court, divorce court, white-collar defense, and fiduciary litigation. Third thing I've kind of learned is the key to 
marketing isn't necessarily skills, but relationships. Once you get to a certain level of, you know what you're doing regarding a forensic accountant or fraud examiner, skills will get you into the front door, but they don't get you the job. It's actually the relationships that get you the assignment. That's what I've been learning throughout this whole time in the last 20 episodes is relationships, relationships, relationships. It's just the way it works. You may notice this in your own employment. Sometimes the smartest person in the room does not get the job just because there's a relationship between the person who's in the hiring and it is what it is. It's just real life. And a lot of times you want the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And sometimes the smartest person in the room doesn't get the job. And uh, so relationships are key. Another thing about marketing per se is also writing, speaking, and publishing. If someone says they're going to pay your fee or someone's going to pay your fee, you're going to have to prove your expertise. You need to be out there explaining what you do, why you do it, here are the answers, and bring value to the table. The third thing is marketing. Skills get you in the front door. Relationships get you to assignment. And to market yourself, you're going to have to write, speak, and publish. Make sure someone you prove your expertise. Otherwise, they're not going to pay your fee. The fourth thing I've learned is kind of a theme that I've seen as well from individuals. Most of the people, I think, well, I think all the people that I've interviewed so far have success somehow, some way, or older. Once they achieve a certain level of success, many people want intangible benefits. They want to help others. You'll see a common thing in the last common theme in the last twenty episodes is if they had to do something else, they'd probably be helping others in some type of nonprofit organization. At least I know a couple of them even said coaching was something that really they enjoyed. And it's kind of interesting that when people get a certain level of success or the food's on the table, they don't have to worry about the next meal that Money does not really solve all the issues. They want more. They really don't want more money, per se. They actually they actually want to make a difference in people's lives, which is very fun to listen to. And the fifth thing, to be an expert witness or to be good at what you do, credentials are very important. Many of the guests said CPA license was something that was necessary for this job, uh, as well as the CFE, which is a certified fraud examiner. Now, being a CPA myself, uh, I understand where they're coming from. CPA gets a lot of recognition in, in society. But frankly, the CPA lets you show, let, disproves that you know how to measure a balance sheet, measure an income statement, know some of the rules regarding auditing, know what risk is. But frankly, a CPA, does, if, if it's going to be anything, it's just a starting point because it does show to the general public that you know what you're doing. And people think CPAs are probably the smartest guy in the room sometimes or another taxes very well or financial statements very well. And many times, I'll be honest with you, a CPA is just someone, it's just an accountant who just passed a test. And they're still in the learning process. It's a continuing learning process, even though someone has a CPA license doesn't mean they're very good at tax. May not be mean that they're very good at auditing. Uh, for sure, it doesn't mean they're going to be good in forensic accounting. But it does come with a recognition of, hey, you've passed a hard test. And suppose you know what you're talking about. So 
CPA license, many people are saying that it's a plus or a needed. CFE, Certified Fraud Examiner, something else. In the banking industry, ACAMS, the Association of Certified Anti-Money Laundering Specialists, and the CFAP from the American Bankers Association, the Certified Anti-Fraud Professional, are all type of the credentials that, at least when I talk to individuals, are saying that's a plus when it comes to being a fraud examiner. And the sixth thing is there are many people who need forensic accountants. But to be a good forensic accountant, you're going to have to bring your A game. If someone's going to pay your fee, you have to know what you're doing. And the only way they know what you're doing is by getting experience. And the only way you get experience is sitting behind that computer or interviewing these people or going out there and doing the actual work. It isn't for the unconfident. You can't be a shy forensic accountant. I mean, you could, but I don't know how well you're going to be. For the most part, in my experience, accounting people are introverts. I'm sort of one of those. And But when it comes to a forensic accountant, the whole idea of forensic accounting is being in court, testifying, being cross-examined, being willing to be misaligned about what your f- statements are, be questioned about your motivation, because that's what the defense attorneys do or cross-examiners do or the opposite side is going to do. They get paid to poke holes in your theory or poke holes in your in your case, and that's fine. But many times that's kind of like the, if you're faint at heart or you're not confident in what you're doing, that's just not the right place to be because you're going to get eaten alive, really, if you don't know your stuff. And I understand why offline I hear criticism of friends and accountants where people hold up the shingle and say, I'm a friends and accountant. I have a CPA license, CFE, and I know what I'm talking about. And then the attorney who hires them finds out, oh, well, I'll do the report, but I don't want to be cross-examined about it. But that's the whole point. The whole point is to get there in that hot seat, be a witness, and explain your position to where the judge, a jury, people in the audience understand exactly what you're saying. So it isn't for the unconfident. If you lack confidence, you're going to go get it because no one likes an unconfident person and no one's going to hire, hire you and pay your fee if you're unconfident sitting in the witness stand. And the final thing about the sixth thing I've learned, a little sub point is don't be intimidated by the word friends accountant. I've looked at a lot of people who call themselves quote unquote friends accountants and try to look at their background. And frankly, when I look at it, I just shake my head going, well, it looks like it's a marketing ploy, which saddens me, but it is what it is. The designation of friends accountant by your competitors should not shy you away. Embrace the pool of other examiners there's a lot of people out there calling themselves friends of the accountants, and it's like anything else. Right? There's good ones. There's bad ones. There's ones that get all the work. There's some of them that may be a jack of all trades and add friends of the accountant to the side. Me personally, I'd be wary of someone who's a friends of the accountant who's just a friends of the accountant on a side. I don't think that makes a very good one. To be a very good friends of the accountant, you need to have a lot of hours sitting in that seat, the witness stand helping out your litigator that you're dealing with. You'd be sitting with a client, maybe who got embezzled from, and 
just walk them through the process. Many times it's an emotional process versus the loss of revenue. And so don't be afraid. But if you're going to be a forensic accountant, be a good one, be a confident one. So that's it. Communication is vital. There are many opportunities out there. The key to marketing is necessarily skills, but relationships. Once people achieve a certain level of success, they want to help others. To be an expert witness, credentials are key. And there are many many people out there who need forensic accounting. So thank you so much for listening. I hope this has been helpful. And if you haven't uh, had a chance to, please leave a review. Thank you so much for your time. I will see you on the 22nd episode.